1: A knowledge of, of even real and true righteousness. They may have a moral uh, standard, but what is their standard? It's, it's it's a standard that pretty much fluctuates depending upon the circumstance. You and I should have a standard that remains consistent and firm because it's based on the foundation of Christ and the foundation of His Word. And the world doesn't have that. So, when the world acts like the world, We can either shut them out or we can understand, you know what, how desperately they need Christ. How desperately they need a Savior.
0: You and I should have a standard of Christ. Everything you do should be based on your understanding that there is a righteous and gracious Savior. In today's message, Pastor David encourages you to remember how desperately people need what you already have. They need a Savior who can bestow upon them real and true righteousness. Otherwise, they blow in the breeze from one thing to the next and do not have a solid foundation. Your standard is Christ. Can people see Him through you? Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message from the book of Amos chapter 7 entitled, Amos.
1: an unknown in surrendering your whole life to the Lord. And unless you're willing to step into the unknown, that is called a walk of faith, okay? Unless you're willing to step into that unknown, understand that that God probably won't use you in too many ways, because you're putting limitations on His using you. And yet, if you are willing to say, Lord, whatever it is, whatever it takes, I'm I'm willing to be used by you. If you are the kind of person that needs all of the answers first, you'll never be used completely by the Lord. Again, it is a walk of faith. And I look at this guy, Amos, going about his normal business. God says, come here, I'm going to send you to Israel. We don't read in there. where We've read in other places. Remember, Gideon says, well, Lord, if this is really you, we're going to put out this fleece out here. and uh, You make it rain on the fleece and nowhere else. Oh, okay, it did that. Uh, okay, well, Lord, we're going to try this again, and we're going to put the fleece out and make it rain on everybody else, but the fleece be dry, and the Lord did that. And you know, We don't see this in Amos' life. We see just this, the Lord said, go, and I went. And so he went. And that is a life of obedience. Amos showed this complete trust, this this com- complete and, and, and full declared knowledge uh, and relationship with God in his life. And so God is going to use him. And the problem is, is that is so lacking in so many of the people of his country during that time. So lacking in the life of uh, the people of Israel during that time. Uh, Israel had turned completely away from God. They were worshiping all these idols, these pagan uh, cows. And God sent him right to Bethel, right where the cow worship was. And said, Man, go up there and talk to him right there, right in the midst of it, brought him right into the heart of the, the pagan worship, and God is going to use him there. Because all around him, there was this lack of faith, this lack of relationship with God. The problem is, is even today, I, I think that not, not just in our nation, but I believe even within our church doors, there's a lot of people who have a lack of relationship with God. There's a lot of head knowledge about God, and there's there's a lot of folks that oh yeah I can quote all the I can do I I can do them backwards you know frontwards and backwards all the books of the Bible I, and I know all the Bible stories because I learned them all going up through Vacation Bible. I know everything about the Bible, but it's never left the head. It, it's got to go 18 more inches. It's got to get into the heart, and because of that, we we have people within the churches today who are are, are fearful to step out in faith. We have people who who have yet ever to even share the reality of their faith in Christ with anyone. We have all of these things going. We have this lack of relationship and, beloved, that's the most important credential you will ever have in your life, is a relationship with Jesus Christ, with the true God of the Bible. It's not just reading Bible stories. It is a life of relationship. Chapter 3, verse 3, can two walk together unless they be agreed? God says, you know, unless you're going to be obedient to me, we're not going to walk hand in hand. We're not going to be in harmony together. And, beloved, God's not going to change. It's, it's our call to change and to change our way of thinking, our direction of life. Amos understood that it wasn't the nations That were in control. It wasn't their leaders that were in control. He understood that these leaders, all of these people, they had made bad choices. They had chosen against God. They had turned their backs on God. And the people were going to suffer because of that. Yet, through all of this, it's because God was in control. And we we even look at our nation, we look at the world even now, and we think, wow, but what about all the things that are going on? What about earthquakes? And what about tornadoes? What about mudslides? What about this? What about floods? What about diseases? What about all of these catastrophes that happen? Beloved, catastrophes happen in life right now because we are in a fallen world okay? We're just in a fallen world. Sin, you know, is, is all around us. We are subject to the fall. Our bodies are decaying away, you know, as the days go on. And if you don't believe that, just go look in the mirror for a while. You'll understand. Our bodies are decaying and, 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 and accelerates. As, as you get to like 55, it like accelerates really, really fast. I can speak of experience on that one. Um, but anyway, God is still in control, even in the midst of our personal chaos, God is in control. And I believe that Amos understood that. And that's the kind of God that, that Amos followed and believed in and had relationship with. Amos understood, here's another one of those big theological words. He understood that God was omnipotent. Uh, who knows omnipotent? All-powerful. All-powerful. And he was sovereign and what does sovereign mean he knows what he's doing and he is in control yeah he know, he, he is the sovereign he's uh, you know we think of uh, again just going back to like english kings who were sovereign over their land they they had absolute control life or death uh every aspect of their kingdom our god is sovereign and he is powerful enough to maintain his sovereignty because he is omnipotent, all-powerful. And because of this, Amos understood that the world and all of its systems, again, were under God's control. And he understood that differently than everyone around him, apparently. And, beloved, that comes to us when we look at Amos's knowledge and his relationship with God It it helped build his understanding of the world that was around him and how it worked. Amos knew God. It changed Amos' vision and understanding of the world. So now the fourth and the last question on this. Has your relationship with God changed the way you look at the world around you? If it hasn't then I dare say you need to grow deeper in your relationship with God because a true and a deep relationship with God will change your world view. It has to because the world thinks and looks a whole lot more different than you and I ought to be thinking and looking. There, there, There ought to be totally different concepts of, of what's going on in, in the world in the life of a believer than in the life of a non-believer. Do you, we we need to realize, we need to understand that the world does not think like us. And for some of you, that's probably a really good thing. But uh, the, the, the fact is, is the world does not think and it does not respond like a believer. Therefore, I say that and hasten to say, that's why you and I have to have a lot of grace and a lot of mercy in dealing with non-believers. Because they don't, they, don't, they don't respond to things the way you and I do. They don't think about things the way that you and I do. They're lost without a Savior, without a knowledge of, of even real and true righteousness. They may have a moral uh, standard, but what is their standard? It's, it's, it's a standard that pretty much fluctuates depending upon the circumstance. You and I should have a standard that remains consistent and firm because it's based on the foundation of Christ and the foundation of his word. And the world doesn't have that. So when the world acts like the world, we can either shut them out or we can understand, you know what, how desperately they need Christ. How desperately they need a savior! I can get really angry at my neighbor because of just his ah, his stupidity and his his just the the responses and the way that he acts and stuff. Or I can have the understanding of how desperately he needs Christ, and and so that ought to change how I respond. To him, oh my natural man, don't no, don't don't think that your pastor is above it. My natural man wants to leash right out, okay? But in Christ, I need to say, Lord, he is your creation. Christ died for him, just as much as he did for me. A worldview change would change everything in our lives if the church really took upon itself the correct worldview. Instead of, again, being so uh, uh, relentless and crying out God's judgment on the land, guess what? Amos still had compassion for the people. Oh, he gave the word of the Lord, but there was a compassion that Amos had in his own life, and we see that over in chapter 7. Amos himself prays for the Lord that he would hold back his hand, because Amos realized, wow, This is not going to be a pretty picture for these people. This is not going to go down well. In chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, Thus the Lord showed me, in other words, all of these things, and he goes on to declare, Behold, he formed locust swarms at the beginning of the late crop. Indeed, it was the late crop after the king's mowing. And so it was, when they had finished eating the grass of the land, that I said, O Lord, God, forgive, I pray. Oh, that Jacob may stand, for he is small. So the Lord relented concerning this. It shall not be, said the Lord. then verse 4, thus the Lord showed me, again, the second vision. He says, Behold, the Lord God called for conflict by fire, and it consumed the great deep and devoured the territory. And then I said, Oh, Lord God, cease, I pray. Oh, that Jacob may stand, for he is small. And so the Lord relented concerning this. This also shall not be, says the Lord God. Then the Lord gave me another vision. Thus he showed me, verse 7. Behold, the Lord stood on a wall made with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. What is a plumb line and what good is it for? Is that is that what we tie our plums to, to keep things level and honest? It, be, it becomes a standard, doesn't it? That, boy, if you can keep to that, you've got it. Yeah, yep. So... Behold, I'm setting a plumb line. In the midst of my people Israel, I will not pass by them anymore. But he's setting the standard here. The high places of Isaac shall be desolate. The sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. I will rise with the sword against the house of Jeroboam. All of this, again, the Lord showing him. The, the I, I see the, the heart of Amos says he's, he's not coming with the hard-heartedness of a prophet. He's coming as just a common man and says, oh, Lord, you know, don't, don't, don't utterly destroy them. And yet the Lord says, you know what, I'm going to set a standard. And there's going to be judgment. There's going to be judgment. Now, at this point in time, we also read that uh, the high priest serving the northern kingdom was a fellow by the name of Amaziah. Now, Amaziah, uh, uh, he's not too comfortable uh, with what uh, Amos is saying. He is very comfortable with the world system. He's very comfortable with status quo. Don't rock my boat, Amos. Everything is fine here. And he was so, Amos, or Amaziah was so entrenched with the world, uh, just as, just as the king was, uh, as Jeroboam was, that, uh, he doesn't want Amos to continue prophesying. And as a matter of fact, he, he in essence tells Amos to get out of town. It, it's interesting that when religion begins being too comfortable with the world's system, guess what? Religion compromises. And it has to compromise in order to stay comfortable. And you, in in your life, me in my life. If I'm comfortable in the world system, there must be a lot of compromise going on in my life. If I if I'm just oh hey you know it's fine everything's fine, there there must be a lot of compromise. I'm I'm not seeing sin the way that God sees sin, and I I, I need to get. A, a greater clarity. I need to get a fresh vision. Amaziah the priest, verse 10 tells us the priest of Bethel sent to Jeroboam king of Israel, says to Amos or saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel the land is not able to bear all of his words, for thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive from their own land then Amaziah said to Amos he turns right to Amos he says go you seer Flee to the land of Judah, and there eat bread, and there prophesy. But never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary. It's the royal residence. Get out of town. This town ain't big enough for the two of us. But listen to Amos' response. Amos answered, you you, you know, he says, go, you seer. Well, that's another way of saying he's calling him a prophet. But Amos responds, I was no prophet. Nor was I the son of a prophet. I was simply a sheepherder, a sheep uh breeder, and, and a tender of sycamore fruit. Then the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go and prophesy to my people Israel. Now therefore, and this is where it gets it, now therefore, hear the word of the Lord. You say, Don't prophesy against Israel, and do not spout against the house of Isaac. Therefore, thus says the Lord to you, Amaziah. Your wife shall be a harlot in the city. Your sons and daughters shall fall by the sword. Your land shall be divided by survey line. You shall die in a defiled land, and Israel shall surely be led away captive from his own land. Whew. I think that a man of less character would have probably moved back. When Amaziah, who is powerful, who is a spokesman for the king, Jeroboam, says, you need to leave right now, son. A guy of less character would have found his way out. But Amos stood his ground and he declared, hey, this isn't my message. It's a message of God. And it's God that you're going to have to deal with. And your rebellion against the very things of God is not going to go down good for you or your family. He spoke the truth. And sometimes, yeah, it has to be spoken just like that. There's no compromise in Amos's message. He just puts it out there. And yet, through all of this, through all of this, God is still a merciful God. Amos's message contains mercy as well as grace. Let's jump way ahead to chapter 9 and close it with verse 11 through 15. In chapter 9, God has already spoken more about you know all this, that man, they can run, they're not going to hide, I'm going to find them, I'm going to bring the judgment on them, uh, all these things are going to take place. Uh, Verse 8 says, Behold, the eyes of the Lord are on the sinful nation. I will destroy it from the face of the earth. Yet I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, says the Lord. For surely I will command and will sift the house of Israel among all nations as grain is sifted in a sieve. Yet not the smallest grain shall fall to the ground. All sinners of my people shall die by the sword, who say the calamity shall not overtake or confront us. In other words, it's not just that they were sinners. They were just saying, well, you can't touch me. You can't touch me. And God says, oh, yeah, I can, and I will. But yet, even at that, God brings hope. Verse 11. On that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, hey, that's us, okay? That's us, so we can celebrate in this that God's still doing this thing. Uh, All the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does this thing. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, the treader of grapes, him who sows the seed. The mountains shall drip with sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. In other words, he'd say man, the, the, there's going to be so much reaping that's going on that they're still reaping by the time it's... Come to to plow again and get the field ready. There, there's so many grapes that's been harvested that, that, man, they're still treading out the grapes while they're planting seeds for the next season. God says, I will bless them. But he's calling for that, man, you've got to turn back to me. But I will bless you. I will, again, restore you. He goes on in verse 14, I'll bring back the captives of my people Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall also make gardens and eat fruit from them. I will plant them in their land, and no longer shall they be pulled up from the land I've given them, says the Lord your God. Gang, this is the complete message of hope that's found in Christ that God is well within his rights to bring judgment and wipe us all out. And yet, because of his grace, because of his mercy, he says, I'll bring restoration. Just turn to me. To be able to... to, if, if as individuals we, we simply stood and we only declared the, the sinfulness of the nation or the sinfulness of the people, well, you know what, there, there's a lot of just spiritual pride in that. It's with a compassion of heart that I see in Amos, it's with a humbleness of heart that I see in Amos, that you and I also need to be able to proclaim the hope that's found in the gospel. Because really and truly that's what's going to turn people to him. The word declares, Man, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance when we see just the greatness of the mercy of God in spite of what 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 absolute fools we are. And yet God continues. To tell people to turn without giving them a direction and the person to turn to is simply to lay on them the law. To go and say, You know what, you need to repent okay, what do I do I do with that? That's just throwing the law. But to give them Christ, to speak Christ to them, the hope that's in the gospel. People are in desperate situations all around us. And they need to know that there's hope for broken hearts, for broken lives, for failures. I understand there's going to be a lot of people that won't listen to that. I understand that just just, just as in Amos' day and just as in every prophet of the Old Testament and just as every evangelical move of the New Testament that there's going to be people that I don't want to hear that. But there's enough people out there that need an answer for their lives that if the body of Christ were just faithful to be able to be ready in season and out of season to give reason for the hope that's within them and to be able to share the simplicity of our relationship with christ not waiting to say well if I, if I had evangelism training i could if i had this or if i had that the greatest thing you and i need is a deeper relationship with jesus and then allow that to just spill out on the world that's around us
0: We're so glad you took the time to listen to The Open Word. Pastor David has been sharing studies on biblical characters, each varied and full of lessons we can benefit from. Though these characters lived long ago, their stories, emotions, and responses to situations mirror those that we have today. Their lives may not be as different from our own as we'd expect. If you'd like to explore more character studies, we'd encourage you to visit our website, theopenword.com. Just click on Teachings at the top of the page to find our library of past messages. While you're at our website, you'll be able to learn more about Pastor David and the heart behind the ministry of the Open Word. Pastor David is the senior pastor at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, and he'd like to extend to you a personal invitation before our time is up today.
1: Oh, absolutely. We here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, we've got a seat waiting for you at our worship services. Come by on Saturday or Sunday or even Wednesday if you like. And we guarantee you'll meet some smiling faces and discover more about Jesus. We're nothing special as a church, just a diverse group of Jesus-loving people who delight in the challenge of the truth of God's Word. Come as you are, you'll fit right in. You'll be able to find out more about us when you visit our website, theopenword.com.
0: Thanks, Pastor David. That website once more is theopenword.com. Just follow the link to our church's homepage. We're excited to see you. Thanks for tuning in today to The Open Word.